0: Three, two one one. What is up, guys? This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread coming back to you from the dead because we were down for a good while. Wow! <laughs> back from the sleep? Back from the sleep? Nothing no, wrong. because you know Jesus was resurrected. He right. resurrects us. Mm-hmm. You know we are resurrected to our <laughs> right, new bodies, right. <laughs> to a new life in Christ. And, uh, yeah, so we haven't recorded since, like, before Christmas last year. Sorry about that. We've been uh, dealing with life and also creating a new studio. Yeah. everything. Which David has done the fantastic job of designing it.
1: Really and
2: fancy now. It's yeah.
0: super fancy. And you might be able to see it on the video. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Okay.
1: My dad built this table, and he, like, put, like, USB ports and, like, outlets on the table. And I'm just like... And he cut this little slit in the middle so I could like fish cords. I was like geeking out. I was like,
2: <laughs> "It's solid."
0: Yeah, it's it's it, definitely it's a solid wood. table. That's it's for definitely sure. Definitely
1: would. It kind of sounds like metal, actually. A
2: little yeah. It does. Bit.
0: Here on free wine and unleavened bread, we are opening up with a new series called "Why Christianity." And I was wondering if Whitney might give us a little uh, introduction to why we're going with this topic.
3: So, um. Me and Dalton had our content meeting, and I was talking about, with him, about, you know everything that the church is against. You know everything that Christians are not for and what there's divide on, but nobody really knows, like, what's the point then? They they know more about what Christians are against than what they're for, and I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not ever going to speak truth into somebody's life and really have a good relationship with them, telling them everything they do wrong all the time and although those things are important and there should be accountability and room for correction there also has to be that that relationship there and mm-hmm. sometimes the way christianity is presented even though it talks about a loving god it's presented as judgment and there's so much more to it than that there's there's so much just like integrity and and intimacy and power behind being in a relationship with God and what he does equip us to do as Christians mm-hmm. that we get the benefits of that we get to do that other people can't do apart from him. Yeah. And so I really wanted to do a series and just focus on the positive aspects of being a Christian and the access that we have to the throne room in that. Um, so me and Dalton were talking about that and I'm like, Let's talk about what Christianity is for, not what just what it's against.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we do want to clarify that um, Christianity is more than judgment and repentance of sins, but it's not less than. Yeah. And so it, it really does have to go hand in hand. But today we do want to highlight the positive aspects um, and really just ask the question, why would somebody want to be a Christian? Uh, so today we're going to be talking about a hope that endures. Um, and so I want to start us off with reading a passage from first Peter. This is first Peter three through five, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So really what this is saying is that um, this is an encouragement and honestly a call to arms as well Uh, in a world that is just so devastated by sin, devastated by loss, uh, by death, by hurt. um, It's a call to encouragement and a call to arms because it reminds us that our hope is outside of this world our hope is beyond this world and it's not something that it's something that nobody can take away from us because it's given to us by God. Um, and it's our hope is in Christ who is living, who is living inside of us through the Holy spirit. And it's, um, it's a reminder that no matter what happens, that we have hope and that we can press on through because we're not alone. Um, and so to kind of tee up our conversation, I wanted to bring up an article that I was reading just the other day. Um, and I'm sure by now all of our listeners are aware of the crisis that's going on in Ukraine. Um, basically, Russia is sending a bunch of troops uh, just to the borders, and they're just kind of sitting there. And there's like this constant fear of like, is there going to be an attack? Um, and so this article is on Christianity Today. And it's talking about the missionaries that are over there currently, and kind of what their response is. Um, in the article, uh, it's stated that there are some missionaries who are who have chosen to go to other countries for the time being. Um, others are staying, um, and a lot of it has to do with like the organization organizations that have sent them out. Uh, and there's like, there's a whole like chain of command type thing that they go through, but they're also relying on the Holy spirit. They're also listening to the Holy spirit and, um, just trying to figure out what they should do. But I really like this quote, uh, that they provided. Um, I'm going to butcher the name (laughs) because it's Ukrainian, uh, but it's at Kiev theological seminary, um, an American uh, professor there, na- by the name of Rick Perhai, uh, who has served in the country more than two decades, is taking his cues from his students. Uh, "Quote: They want to be here to study, and that gives me great hope," said Perhai, the school's director of higher education development, uh, higher education development, and m- a missionary with Send International. His quote continues, even in the midst of this kind of uncertainty, the kind of a, uh, of ominous threats, they're trying to keep their focus on Jesus. That encourages me to keep my focus on Jesus. They really are a living cloud of witnesses, uh, and so that's that's kind of where I'm talking about. We're also it's also a call to arms because the world is watching us as Christians um, when they watch how we react to situations. They watch how we, uh, even at an individual basis, they watch how we react and, um, we're constantly on witness. Uh, and so the question that I want to ask is get back to it. What would make Christians in Ukraine willingly face persecution for the sake of the gospel and others?
1: Well, I just think, I think in that area of the world, they're they're not as prideful as we are um just about i mean they have more pride in their country as a whole what is the word for that they're more um
0: talking about nationalism
3: no it's like patriotic
1: yeah I, I guess you could say that it's it's like asia is considered what i'm trying to say they they have like very
2: allegiance.
1: Well, they have like very um, just throwing out words. High in. emphasis on togetherness of the country, but lower emphasis on self. Mm-hmm. So they're less like materialistic. They're more less like individualistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like but they're more for the good of the the country, for the good of others type deal. So I think when you in in the Ukraine, I think there's a lot of that, um, and you see just you see more violence there you see a lot of things that you 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 don't see over here and so when when you're put when you see those things more than than someone else maybe in the US like it makes you start to look for that higher power and people that are around that all the time need god they everyone needs god but like they have the genuine desire to want to know God. Mm. And they're just waiting for someone to come along and feed it to them. You see what I'm saying? Like last Sunday I visited a church, um, another campus of the church that I go to, and the guy that was preaching had just gotten back from Uganda and just telling us about he, – he just kept – during the sermon, he was like, I don't mean to sound, you know um, – cynical or anything but we're we're so prideful over here and just talking about how people over there just have a desire for for the knowledge like they want to know Mm -hmm. um and so i think that the missionaries and the people over there see that Mm. and see how people are responding and it makes them kind of want to go harder
0: with it yeah uh there's a quote from maybe it's louis giglio maybe it's Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, I can't remember who said this. (laughs) Listen. Um, But basically they were talking about how there was a preacher, or a believer, I don't know what his status was, but uh, from either Uganda or somewhere else, that said was asked what his opinion was on the Ameri- on the church in America and he basically said that it's almost as if the church in America is in a demonic lullaby they've been lulled to sleep by a demonic lullaby uh and it's he, he, what he's getting at is that we just were asleep most american christians are asleep to what the r- world is really like for christians out there yeah
2: yeah yeah, I agree. I feel like <clears throat> the American churches, it's very blase. Like, we don't take things super seriously. And I also feel like, I don't know in other countries, but I just feel like here, our churches are not unified.
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: we have so many different sects of church, and, like, people just don't have that unity. And maybe it's part of that cultural thing that you're talking about, David, about, like, we're so individualistic here. Everything is more selfish-based for the yeah. most part and not, like, community-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I definitely think that's a big part is just our relaxed take on church and God just in general. Like you see people wearing shirts that say Jesus is dope and like God is my homie. It's like, no, like he's a mighty powerful God. He's not your homie, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so getting into the positive aspect, um, churches are realizing this. Uh, Like not the entire American church is, you know, so caught up in consumerism and uh, capitalism and all of these things that sort of like kind of bind up the gospel in a way here in America, there are churches out here who are waking up to their, to their sleepiness, I guess. Uh, And so like, we do want to praise God for that and thank him that he's waking us up. Um, And I mean, just like you said, there are times when really the churches are not unified and they just divide over so many things instead of coming together to worship God, which is like one thing that God really wants for us is to be unified. Uh, we see that in Jesus's prayer in John 17, he prays that the whole church would be unified. Um, and I lost my train of thought, but it's coming, it's coming, it's coming down the tracks. I can hear the horn. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to say, Whitney? No. Um, but yes, yeah, so, oh I remember. Uh back when I was on a mission trip in Costa Rica, um I actually we were listening to a preacher, a, a native preacher there, uh talk, preaching on unity. And he was talking about like within that specific denomination, uh but the entire time I just heard God saying the whole church. And that that woke me up to the fact that yeah, there's a lot of division. And, um, of course, I, I, uh, I felt like he was pushing me to pursue some things in, in light of that. And, of course, I ran in the other direction like Jonah. Um, but it, that is still in my heart to this day, that message of unity. And so I always tell people that, um, you know, I, I, I attend a Baptist church, but anybody's a Christian if they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that he is the son of God And that he rose from the dead And if we have different theological beliefs That's fine Let's talk about them Let's let's find clarity in that But if we have to agree to disagree Then we agree to disagree And then we go and worship God together
1: Yeah Yeah. So it's it's so sad Because some people I'd say most people Honestly don't see it that way Being right is more important to them Yeah Than Worshiping God together Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah I think, too, maybe part of it is, like, I'm only speaking on what I can imagine to myself, but I feel like people in America are so focused on how they appear to others. Like, I don't know. I Everyone cares about how others think of them, but I feel like in other countries, like maybe the Ukraine, people are more, and again, I'm, I'm probably just, like, spitballing here, but mm-hmm. in my mind, it makes sense that... They just take it more seriously, and it's not—they don't care so much about, like, oh, standing up for God is embarrassing or whatever. You know, here I feel like people can get more embarrassed about, like, standing up for their beliefs or feeling like they're judging people because of their beliefs or whatever.
0: Yeah. For them, it's life and death. Yeah. And so it it, cre- it really tests the faith. Mm-hmm. It really— um, Uh, what's the word for like when you melt down metals to get, it purifies it. Um, it really purifies their faith. And so like, that's, that's what I really want to focus on is the, the amazing aspect that the church of Jesus Christ is so alive and so well in other countries, even though there's persecution. Um, and so that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, uh, actually we're going to read acts 15 real quick, just a small sliver of it. Um, do, do, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. um, the context of this is that Paul had recently just uh, cast a demon out of a little slave girl. Uh, She was being used for fortune telling by her slave masters. And um, so he did that. And then the whole city was basically like you're causing problems and like, we want you out. And so he ended up getting (laughs) imprisoned for this. Um, and this is all while he was sharing, sharing the gospel in, um, the Philippines. Um, and so in, in his letter to the Philippians, he, I have it right here, actually. Um, he says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole piece. Through the, the, sorry, throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am to in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and, and dare all... Yeah, that's right. Sorry. I, I need my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, ...have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Uh, And so what Paul is saying here is that even though there's persecution, it's actually driving the gospel out. Um, And the letter to the Philippians is known for uh, Paul's joy and for his praise uh, for the Philippians. And this letter was written while he's in prison for sharing the gospel. And so my question is, what would enable Paul to sing praise and write a joyful letter to the Philippians while in prison?
2: I think there's many aspects like one, this kind of goes back to what you said before you asked that question, but like when hard times come and you're put under pressure, like you're either going to go one of two ways, which is just like completely away. You're going to f- just fold or you're going to go stronger, you know? Yeah. And I feel like two, that's something we lack in America. We don't have that like pressure to show that we truly love Jesus and yeah. not, not even that, but like, you know, in places where, they have this persecution right on them like it's evident which way you're gonna go right but i feel like for him for paul um what was your question <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would enable paul to sing praise and write a joyful letter to the yes. philippians while in prison
2: because he had that that love deep in him like yeah. he he could only turn to Jesus in times like that you know
0: yeah and so the message is that no matter what's going on in the world Jesus gives us that love mm-hmm. he gives us that love to in, endure mm-hmm. that hope to endure uh no matter what the situation is um Did you want to share anything? Okay. Um I guess uh, we'll move on to David. Did you have anything?
1: I was just gonna say, like, I think that just Paul's journey, like, it's kind of like what you were saying. You either kind of fold or you double down. He just went through such a dramatic change in his life, and once you experience God's love for you, it's like you double down on that. Yeah. And I heard something the other day. It was like, um, like God's lowest thought about you is greater than your highest thought of yourself. Mm. And that was just so powerful to me. I was like, it's just like no matter how bad things seem, it's like he's, he loves you no matter what. And Paul experienced that in his own life. And he he just wants to share that with everybody, no matter how hard things seem. And and also I think when you get this idea that your your efforts are – Like you you think you get this idea that the enemy is persecuting you because of your efforts. That also makes you double down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think Paul had that personality about him, had that leadership quality that whenever he was being persecuted, it just made him go even harder Mm -hmm. because he, he, he had been on the other side and he wasn't happy and he wasn't content and he'd come so far and, folding at that point and giving into the enemy, it's not going to advance the kingdom.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think another thing that drives that, that motivation for him is the fact that he knows where he came from. He knows what he was doing before he was intercepted by Christ. And, um, and so like, no, knowing the sheer amount of grace that Christ had for him, that just drives him even more to share this gospel with others. Mm-hmm. And uh, scholars speculate that that might've actually been what he referred to as his, the thorn in his side was just knowing what his past was. Now, of course that's speculation. We, we really don't know, but that's a, that's an interesting thought once you like kind of dig down into it.
2: Um, I think too, like being in prison and he's, with other people. And so a lot of times when we're in hard times and we know the truth and we know that Jesus loves us and we know that we have his power in us and that he's, you know, fighting for us. When we're in those times with people that don't know that truth, that can be a big motivator because it's like we're suffering with them, but we know the way out and we know what's on the other side and that God is fighting for us. So that can really, help motivate us to share it with other people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing, I think we've said this on the podcast before is that, um, when we suffer for the gospel, we're suffering with Christ and we're promised that when we suffer with Christ, that we will be glorified with Christ as well. And honestly, I mean, I, I can't relate to the persecution that other Christians have felt, but I know that we also deal with our own sort of suffering here in the States. Um, for one forgiving people is hard. It is a hard thing to do to swallow your pride and say, this person deserves as much grace as I do, if not more. And, um, in a way that is sort of suffering because you're dying to your flesh. You are saying, no, you are starving your flesh of what it thinks it deserves. And when you do that, you feel when I've done that, I've felt closer to Christ. I felt a deeper connection with God. And honestly, that that feels like the glorified the glorified with Christ promise fulfilled for me. Um so like it, it it just it it further roots creates deeper roots for the faith and for that hope that endures. Um so We've, t- we've mentioned a little bit about the gospel prevailing despite, um, you know, cert- like despite persecution, despite uh, the devil really throwing obstacles in our way to try and get it to be stifled out. And so the last question that I have is, despite humanity's attempt to manipulate the gospel for personal and national gain, uh, the gospel by the Holy Spirit has pressed on to accomplish the will of God. Can you provide any examples of this? Um, any like real world, like real, like recent history or even distant history examples that you might know?
2: Um, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but I'm just going to share it because I just heard it recently and it never made exact sense to me before, but you know how Jesus says that he will leave and we will do greater works than he And like that was something I never fully understood, but then I realized it doesn't mean in quality. We're not doing more quality works than he is, but we'll have the access to do more quantity because now we have internet and we have vehicles and airplanes and we can have access to places that he couldn't easily travel to on earth then or even the disciples, you know, before all the technology. So I think that's something that's helped Decrease, or I don't want to say decrease persecution, but it's, I don't exactly know what I'm trying to say here, no, but I'm, I'm just saying like it, it allows us to reach
3: more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's given transportation for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else?
3: Can you repeat the question one more time?
0: Yeah. Despite humanity's attempt to manipulate the gospel for personal and national gain, the gospel by the Holy Spirit has pressed on to accomplish the will of God. Can you provide any examples of this? Think times of great persecution or how did the transportation of the gospel shift?
2: I think too, like in persecution, we've developed, you know, God, the Holy Spirit has worked through people to develop interesting things like electronic Bibles and things like Mm -hmm. that, where I've seen different missionaries use that you can support and send those electronic Bibles to prisons or yeah. all over the world. So I think a lot of it is, like I said earlier, is, is very electronically driven yeah. by people that are Holy Spirit-filled that have these ideas and things that they can use to, to further the gospel.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, so when I ask the question, really what's coming through my mind is thinking of, like, the Reformation. Like, the Roman Catholic Church twisted the gospel so much – um, and got on this power trip because really it was just the elite quote unquote that had access to the scriptures. they weren't really it, it wasn't produced massively. um and later on it was just in Latin, and it hadn't been translated to English uh so like that's one of the attempts where, like the enemy tried to make the gospel just for the few. Instead of for the majority, mm-hmm. um, so that like that's one situation that I think of. Another situation that I can think of is like um, it's prevailed through the persecution in like when when Nero was emperor of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, this like you you talk about all the different kind, kinds of persecutions that would happen during that time. Like Nero would throw parties, he would place Christians on stakes and then burn them alive to light his parties. Like that's some serious persecution, but it drove the gospel out. It spread the gospel out. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what the enemy throws at the gospel, it endures mm-hmm. because its hope is eternal. Um, and then I think of like small, like smaller situations of like the, uh, the evangelist that went to this one island. I can't remember the name of it, but he and his family went to this one Island and they were trying to evangelize and share the gospel there and the uh, native inhabitants, they speared him. Uh, And then, I mean, I don't know the timeline, but eventually his wife went back to this Island and was able to share the gospel with them. And now they're like, that entire Island was converted and their chief goes around sharing the gospel with the widower, Oh. Whittower is wife, What's the word I'm trying to think of? With the woman whose yeah. the husband he had killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what I'm talking about. It's like the gospel prevails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do we when we accept its message and when we get behind it and really push it forward. Yeah,
1: I think the hope that it instills is just, for lack of a better way of explaining it's just such a good pitch to people you know who are just in such need of hope Mm -hmm. and just like having a feeling of just like having things you want but not being content and just that search for like what's gonna what's gonna fill me up what's gonna fill me up is it this is it is it relationships is it money no it's not any of those things then what do i have what is it what is it Mm -hmm. it's god and i think when people people figure that out in their own pace. But I think when, once they do, they hang on to it. And that's the part that I think endures the hope. Yeah. That it gives.
0: Absolutely. Is there anything else that you guys would want to leave with our listeners before we sign off? Mm -mm -mm. No, 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 (laughs) no. All right, guys. Well, this has been our episode on why Christianity, a hope that endures. And so we just want to leave you with this simple truth. The gospel is our hope and it helps us endure it helps us prevail and we honestly we would not be the same people without it nope and so uh, we strongly encourage you that if you haven't um made your hope in the gospel we strongly strongly encourage you to look into it and see how it can change your life too This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread, and we'll see you next week for Why Christianity? The Gospel is for the Marginalized. See you guys.
2: Go Rams.